Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host, Denise Messenger, for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Well, hello, everyone. I'm so glad that you're joining us today because we're really going to have a great, informative show. It's a subject that I don't believe I have covered, and I've been doing this show for almost six years. So we're going to be talking with Manette Morgan. She's the author of a book called Finding Your Voice, A Path to Recovery for Survivors of Abuse. So obviously our subject matter is survivors of abuse. Manette is also a speaker. She's an author, coach, and a survivor herself. So she's going to teach people the critical skills and techniques to survive, basically, an abuse or a trauma in your life. Let's bring her on our show now. Welcome, Manette. Hi, Denise. Thanks for having me. I always start my show out by asking my guest, how did you get on the path that you're on today? A lot of times it's not obvious, but in your case it is. Where did it all start? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Tell us where it all started. Um, well, you know, um, as I talk about in the book, and I'm very open and share because my book's a little different self-help book. It's got a little memoir and a lot of self-help. And uh, I'm a childhood survivor of emotional abuse by my father. I was sexually abused by an older cousin for almost five years from between 8 to 13. Went on to marry an emotionally abusive husband at 19. Um, He was my high school sweetheart. Um, Was lucky enough to have two amazing children, though. (laughs) And Uh at 23... I got out of the relationship. So, unfortunately, I've had a lot of experience with abuse in my lifetime. And I was fortunate enough to start down a new path at about 23, 24 of healing and recovery myself and never went back to it. Good for you. So much of it can, um, can result in a subconscious effort on one's part to continue that abuse. 
Oh, yes. Yes, that's very, very common. Um, once you've been in it, you know, for so long or exposed to it for so long, you, then you don't even have to necessarily be a victim. You could be an observer of it in a family unit. Um, it changes you. You mm-hmm. accept it as a norm or accept it as the, that it's okay Some in some cases. And if you are the victim, it takes away your self-worth, your confidence, um, yeah, it just takes away a lot of the person you are and mm-hmm. changes you and molds you into something that may not be what you really are meant to be. What was the catalyst that, that started you on your on your healing and recovery process? Uh, that's a really funny story. Uh, well, it's not super funny, but for me, it was just such an awakening, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. I was 23. And mm-hmm. it was one winter morning. I was cleaning house and taking care of my two little babies and working on some work stuff. I was a designer. And um, all of a sudden, there was this lady on TV on a talk show. Um, and she was talking about how depressed she was and overwhelmed with just isolation. And she was a survivor of abuse. And there was just something about her in when she spoke, I listened for the first time in my life, I think. I mean, I never had been exposed to much help anyway. But her words just spoke to me because that is the way I had felt for as long as I could remember. Isolated, alone, disconnected, um, and just go around with this happy face that wasn't even real. Mm-hmm. You know, I always laugh and talk about, have you ever seen the commercial with the little popsicle stick and they have the little faces for antidepressant and they hold it in front of their face. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> that was me oh most gosh. of my life. I was just great at putting on that mask and mm-hmm. going through life. And that was really the first time I realized that something was wrong. And then, of course, that just led to, you know, okay, I'm the kind of person that's like, I'm going to fix this. So I was like, okay, my husband has this program at work because they didn't have a lot of money. And I thought, I'll go to nine visits and go see a therapist and get this thing fixed. (laughs) I had no Mm -hmm. idea what I was getting into. I had no idea what was entailed for me. It took about three and a half years later. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, before I really actually understood what had happened and why I was the way I was and Mm -hmm. why I picked unhealthy relationships and um, had gone down this path. And I think that was it for me. That that day at 23, I always say, I went from being a victim and started becoming a survivor. That was my day, you know, that and I'm so grateful wonderful. I did. Yeah. It's just that so great. <laughs> so out of all of that, what's your mission in regard to you know, the topic of abuse? You know, my biggest mission and it was kind of funny. This was something I wasn't aware of either, to be honest with you, um, Denise. I was meeting with the first people I had considered publishing my book, and they asked me this question, and they kind of go, you know, what do you ultimately want to do? And it just kind of popped in my head. I didn't know. This is after I'd written the book, and I knew I wanted to help people and help women like myself where I was at 23, 24. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I was like, you know, actually, somehow I want to find a way to stop the cycle of abuse in our society. 
<laughs> I know they look at me and I looked at them and I think I think I was just as shocked that came out of my mouth as they were. Um, uh-huh. I, I just was like, you know what? I really, I think this can be done in time. Now, this isn't an easy feat. This is going to take a lot of work. And, but I do feel there's some key components to doing this. And I can share those with you if you want, but it's, oh, it's not do. as complicated. As, yeah, it's not as complicated as I think people think it might be. Um, you know, one, we have mm-hmm. to start taking an understanding abuse. We have to understand the statistics in our society. Uh, you know, if, if you've read some of my stuff, I think we think, you know, it's yes. conservative belief, yeah, that one in four girls and one in six boys will be sexually molested before they're 18. And mm. one in five teen girls and one in teen, 10 teen boys will experience dating violence. Um, 90% of victims are always abused by someone they know, love, and trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and before the Me Too movement, 90% never even talked about it or spoke up. So first, we just have to educate ourselves and understand that this is how prevalent abuse is in our society. It's everywhere. You look around a mm-hmm. room, and one in three or four people have been through something, at least the women in the room. Mm-hmm. And then we have to understand abuse. So, you know, to me, physical and sexual abuse are pretty obvious. Not too much to understand there. I mean, you know, most people, I think, in our society recognize that for what it is. Mm-hmm. But the emotional abuse, and I don't know how you feel about this, Denise, but the emotional abuse people aren't aware of. They don't really recognize it for what it is always. Sure. And we, do you think so? Yeah. And yes. uh-huh. I think we just, we need to educate ourselves. We need to understand what that really looks, sounds, and feels like so that we'll start standing behind the survivors of abuse and helping them and understanding that it's mostly going to alter some of their behaviors. It's going to change their personality, and we have to understand it to make a change. We know that about anything out there. Mm -hmm. So those are the two first components. Then we have to provide survivors hope. That's the third one. We have to give them hope to understand they're not alone. They can change and heal the pain of their past experiences. And that's why I wrote Finding Your Voice, (laughs) to give Mm -hmm. them an opportunity to try to do this. And that's part of, then that goes into the healing part. So, you know, I try to provide that stuff so that it can help them put the pieces of their lives back together. Um. So you kind of have to do that. And then finally, the last part is empowerment. Because I truly feel in order to stop the cycle of abuse, if we empower each survivor, they go through the hope, the healing, the understanding, they'll become empowered. They become stronger again and more confident. Mm -hmm. And with that, they're able to stop the cycle of abuse within their own family. And that's where we start, just one family, one community at a time. And then their mm-hmm. children don't ever have to experience what they did. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of my overall view. I'm sure there's some things we could tweak and make it better. <laughs> but I do feel like that's the core to it. I feel like those are the things that make it possible if we're willing to do the work. Have Have you found in some 
instances that because children are abused, when they become adults, the pattern is the same? Yes, it usually is. I mean, very few, um, I, you know, I don't know the statistics. I'm not going to sit here and act like I do, Um, but I do know, (laughs) I do know that, yes, you're exactly right. If you experience abuse or witness abuse as a child, there's usually two things that are going to happen as an adult. You're either going to be an abuser or you're going to be a victim. And that's so Mm. unfortunate, but it's true. I mean, and not everyone, that's not a hundred percent, but that's, I'm going to guess more like 85 to 95%, you know, Mm. that's just kind of how it works. I know for me, that was a huge part of um, me wanting to change. It wasn't, I wanted to change for me. I mean, I didn't want to be depressed, but when I went and talked to my therapist and understood the statistics of what would probably happen to both of my children, after my own life experience, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. they were in this high-risk area. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can't let that happen. So I did all the work for them because I did not want them to have my life. I did not want them to experience what I had experienced, which was great for me. But they drove me to improve my life and get better because my biggest fear was waking up at 50, living in Texas where I grew up, in a trailer house weighing probably almost 300 pounds and having a son that learned how to abuse women and a daughter that accepted abuse. I mean, that was like Uh, my biggest fear in the world. And I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it to them. Mm -hmm. And, and it's my job being their mother to teach them something different. That was what I thought. Well, you had great love for your children. Mm. Yes, I did. And I still do. They're amazing. They've grown up to amazing people. Neither one of them are in an abusive relationship, I'm proud to say. They're Mm. healthy. They have healthy relationships. They've, you know, have a higher Mm -hmm. education. They have Mm -hmm. all the things. And, you know, they're just out there doing their thing and making the most of it and have fulfilled and happy lives. And I'm so happy for them and proud of them for that. Well, let's talk about just some of the factors involved in educating people on what it is, the emotional abuse part. Okay. I think um, a lot of that is, you know, just maybe going to the basic definitions of it. You know, what does physical abuse look like? You know, it's, you know, for like it's threatening the victim with violence or harassing them when they're outside of the home or in the home, it's isolation. A lot of times they try to isolate you from your friends and family. Um, They, you know, they just destroy, maybe they'll maybe even destroy your property or threaten to destroy the things you love. Um, They dominate and control your life. And in my case uh, with my first husband, he was just really, really manipulated. He's a narcissist. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, I always kind of say he was set up and ready to play the abuser role, and I was set up and ready to play the victim role from the time we met. Mm-hmm. And he learned his abuse from his own mom. She mm-hmm. was a really manipulative and controlling woman. And he just was like, hey, she handles it. I'll just pass it on to her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's saying mm-hmm. me. And um, I accepted it. I was okay with that. 
I, I had played that role for so long. I was quite comfortable in that role of victim with all the emotional abuse. And, you know, he just had a way of convincing you everything was your fault and, you know, you didn't know anything and you couldn't be out there without him and threaten you. I mean, everything from your friends, you couldn't have friendships. That's, that's the ugly side of emotional abuse and uh, manipulation. It's mm-hmm. just it's mm-hmm. controlling and it's not fun. I talk about it in the book. I call it a, I have a section and I call it monsters or lambs. <laughs> it, because oh. They can honestly yeah. be that. They can be a lamb one minute and two seconds later be the monster in your life. And that's so mm-hmm. good at it usually. Mm-hmm. I lived with it for almost 10 years. So it was, it's, it's amazing how they do it um, and how good they are at it. So mm. that's, that's kind of the basis. That's, you know, yeah. you have to understand that and realize it's not, it's not okay. Those behaviors right. are not acceptable and they're not right. Right. So as a society, how do we stop that cycle? Because it involves millions of people. Oh, it does. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere around what, 44 million or something, 42 million survivors in the United States alone. I mean, mm. that's crazy. Um, I think it's 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 educating people, one, um, because I do believe there are a few um, abusive people out there that are emotionally abusive, and because they have a partner that's always played the victim role, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. tend to use that. And I'm not going to say every one of them are just horrible people or something. They're not. They just, it works for them. It's what they're familiar with. It's their normal. So we have to teach them that this isn't appropriate behavior. It's like bullying in school. It's not appropriate behavior. And we have to teach them and educate them that, no, this is not how you get what you want because you want what you want. (laughs) You, you know, we have to be respectful in relationships. So in the book, I talk about what good relationships and healthy relationships look like. And that's where this comes in. It's learning to unconditionally love um, your partners and unconditionally accept them and respect and trust. We have to have that foundation in our relationships. And then you have to have good communication skills. You have to equally be able to talk and communicate. And then on top of that, you have to have good boundaries because most victims have no boundaries after they've experienced most survivors. They really struggle with the boundary thing. I know it took me a long time to get good at that. Um, but I think that's how we do it in our society. It's help them get educated, help them mm-hmm. understand what that really looks like. And mm-hmm. then we have to get the strong, the survivors stronger. We have to give them the tools and resources to heal and put their life back together so that they can stand up for themselves. You know, I was yeah. at 23 and 24 when I left my husband, I would let him run all over me. Today, if I was with him or a man like him, I would just be like, are you kidding me? You're not treating me like this. <laughs> you know, but it's the difference in the what we believe we're worth and where we are. So we have That's to get very true. some strength. Mm-hmm. Very, very true. So what mm-hmm. are your thoughts on the Me Too movement? Um, I think the Me Too movement has been amazing for survivors. Um, 
It has been the greatest way to help survivors speak out and find their voices. I think it's been amazing for that. Um, I've been trying to get something started called Me Too Part Two, and that's all about the healing and recovery. That's what I'm working on because that's my focus. Um, I want us to get something done. I want us to make some changes and, you know, get in a better place. Strength, we were just talking about the empowerment. So that's pretty I think clever. It's good, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's clever. I think it's a thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I just think we're to the next step. Do you not think as a society we might be ready? I think we might be ready. I think, you know, we've talked about it. We've kind of got more comfortable with it. And hopefully now we're ready to move into the next stage. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's a, it's a heavy subject, you know, it really it is. is. Um, it is. The cycle, breaking that cycle of the abuse, particularly in, in family settings. Uh, there's so many moving parts to it. Yes, you're very right. It, it's just, it's hard. It, it's so hard when you, you know, think about, um, you know, you have this relative in it that, you know, everybody adores and loves. And here he is, maybe a perpetrator or something. And it's just hard for everybody. It's hard for him. It's hard for his family. And, I mean, he's doing terrible things. But the pro- the thing is, I feel, unless, you know, there's a small percentage, they say, that are just prone to this kind of behavior. But most people... Most people have experienced it. They were a victim themselves. And that's why they repeat the process. So I think but as how, a society would be good to question, recognize that. But my question to you mm-hmm. is, is the, the um, you know, particularly the ones who are sexually abusing uh, mm-hmm. children, how do they justify mm-hmm. in their mind doing it even to begin with? I'm sure you've probably I learned don't. that. Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'll give you an example with my own perpetrator. He was um, about four, almost five years older than me. And actually, we've talked about this. Uh, he actually mm-hmm. paid for my therapy because I was broke and divorced and on food stamps. It was really a bad time after I left my husband. And um, he and I talked about it, and I, I asked him, I said, so what happened to you? Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, it happened to me. And I said, I always thought it did. Once I was older and read and mm. understood abuse like I did, it and it helped me find a place in my heart mm-hmm. to let go of it even more. I'd already forgiven him, but it, it helped me just find a different, even a different level. Because what if I had been a victim and turned around and abused someone else? And I had to live with that the rest of my life. Do you know how horrific that would be to live with? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just awful. And so, you know, I think it, it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard to say, but these, like you talked about, these maybe older, older people uh-huh. abusing a very young child, a very young child. I don't know where in their mind that they can rationalize that this is okay. I, I, I don't understand it. I, mm-hmm. I I can't even comprehend it personally. Um, well, it, in it, your case, it, did he did he tell you that because it had happened to him that he thought it was just normal behavior and it was okay? No, he knew it wasn't normal behavior, 
But mm. I think because it happened to him before he, you know, went on to do it to me, I think it was just, I think with children too, and I've read a lot on this, it mm-hmm. it can arouse something in a younger child um, because, you know, we're already curious, I think, mm-hmm. at certain ages. And I think something like that, it's kind of like once it's happened to you, it kind of arouses some sexuality in you. And also I think, uh. too, you're angry, you're frustrated, you're mad, and you kind of want to hurt someone else because you got hurt Okay. cases. So there's a lot of emotions. I think we have to look at it. We're a complex being with lots of emotions. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, you know, when you look at it that way, it, it's, it's a little bit more to understand that, you know, we're only human, guys. Mm-hmm. We're all human. And we're all going to make mistakes at one time. Now, some mistakes, I think, are a little, quite a bit worse than others. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. you know, but we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to fall down. We're all going to have to get up. And we're all going to have to, if we want to be better human beings, we're going to have to improve our behaviors. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think sometimes we have to kind of look at it like that. But, yeah, I I, I don't understand the mind, though, of a really much older man Mm -hmm. or woman molesting a very young child. That's very Mm -hmm. confusing to me. I'm not even going to begin to try to grasp what's going on in their mind or why. True. Um, Well, it it could be substance abuse. Well, yeah, we all know that that, you know, alters our personality mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. takes down our inhibitions. And and if that's a coping skill we use because of whatever we're dealing with, it, mm-hmm. it makes it even easier to, you know, maybe follow through with these. Rationalize what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe they just use more substance to get over what they've done. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's rough, it, it, you know. I, I wish we were just, don't you wish, I mean, you're in the medical, don't you wish it was just cut and dry and medicine wasn't a practice, like it was just an absolute and we knew each thing? <laughs> that would be great. Uh, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice. Yeah, I, t- I totally follow what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And I realize, so too, the- if you're a survivor I'm sorry uh-huh. I just realized too it's hard some of the things I'm talking about were really probably hard for you to hear because it's hard to think of the bigger picture sometimes that you know this is a basically an epidemic within our society you know it, it's a problem yeah those it, those statistics are yeah those statistics are disturbing <laughs> yeah they're very disturbing I know the first time I read something I was just like you've got to be kidding me really this is really what's happening in the world and you know so I know it's kind of hard to understand but you know I you know I'm a firm believer that you know most people out there doing the abuse they're a victim themselves of something or they're witnessed yeah. it at least at one point and, yeah and and they just chose a different way of dealing with it which wasn't healthy and it's destructive. Um, yeah. So you wanted to reach um, a larger audience, and that's why you wrote your book, mm-hmm. Finding Your Voice, A Path to Recovery for Survivors of Abuse. Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. I wanted to make a book that was um, available to everyone, 
I wanted a healing tool that you could get no matter who you are, where you come from, where you live, because I know when I was starting on my own healing journey, um, I, I, you know, I had a great therapist. I lucked out and had a great therapist right off the bat. So that doesn't always happen for every Boy, person. you were lucky. I was lucky. <laughs> she was good. And I also had this group incest survivors group that was really great too and it helped me see how everybody deals with it differently and how everyone has to work through it and and uh, for me personally I immersed myself in the self-help realm um, I love the courage to heal uh, and I I was working on everything but you know the thing that I found when I was at that young trying to figure it out was everyone out there could say well, Manette, you're this way because of the abuse. You know, you have these coping skills. You, you know, you have no self-worth or no self-confidence because, you know, you was taken away and, or you let it go once this happened. Or, And then they would explain all these things or why, you know, I was so, had so much guilt and shame and fear and anxiety. But no one. No one was going, okay, now that you know why, this is why you are this way and how you got here. I didn't feel like anybody was giving me answers on how to put the pieces of my life back together. How there to you go. heal that pain. Mm-hmm. That was, that's what I needed. I, I was like, okay, now I understand, and that's awesome. That is so important to have. That's part of the healing process. But I needed the answers. I needed to go, now what do I do as a 25-year-old? How do I fix my life, get off food stamps, quit having a nervous breakdown weekly, take care of my kids? (laughs) How do I I get my life back? How do I even get back out there and have a real life with some happiness? And I think that's what drove me to this. So I spent 30 years, you know, It did take me 30 years to get there, but it's 30 years of accumulated knowledge because I was like, okay, now I would say, okay, I got this part working better. So how do I get this part working better? So I worked, I was like the self-help crazy person (laughs) trying to get my life together. (laughs) (laughs) And so I just, I would try something. And it would work. And then I'd try something else and it wouldn't work. And by the way, the stuff that didn't work isn't in the book. Oh, gosh. Because <laughs> I was just like, I have to figure this out. I, I was just driven for some odd reason. I just, I think I just wanted a good life. I wanted to have a better life than I'd ever had mm-hmm. as a young girl and saw my family and different people sometimes. Yeah, and, you, just, you worked so hard. Yeah, you really worked hard so just, at it. It takes work. Yeah, it I did. It just happens overnight. It really takes yeah, work and dedication. It does. So that's what sets my book apart, I think, right there. That's the key. I give there you, you the go. You are the way you are. But then I give you all these tools, all these exercises, mm-hmm. all these skills, and teach you to look at things differently and approach things differently so that you can change and evolve and find Mm -hmm. yourself you know because I think to me that was that's what I wanted to give people because somehow in that crazy mess I figured that stuff out (laughs) and I think that was the big thing I was like I'm going to share this and I had friends and family and stuff here about 
oh, it's, it's been about 10 years ago, that we're like, you need to find a way to help other people that have been through this. Mm-hmm. You figured something out that a lot of people don't <laughs> always figure out. And I was uh, like, okay. Yes, <laughs> you did. Hold on, we lost her, so we will get her back in a moment. Hello? So you're back with us. I am so sorry. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I apologize. No problem. No problem. Okay. Well, what do you see for yourself in the future? Um, you know, actually, I, um, I really do want to continue to speak out um, about uh, abuse and hopefully just educate more people on how prevalent it is, understand it more, as well as totally and completely help other survivors heal and put their lives back together. I really want to do more of that. Um, But I'm also working on a children's book right now, believe it or not. Oh, (laughs) Um, wonderful. Yeah, I just started working on a children's book, and it's for – children that um it's it's for different agencies and things and it'll be like a picture book but it's to help them find their voices because through this process and as I've evaluated everything that's happened I've realized um and I talk about a little bit at the end of the book um a child's only thing they have is their voice um mm-hmm. they're never going to out-manipulate their perpetrator. They're never going to, um, you know, be stronger physically than their perpetrators as a child. But they do have a voice. And Mm -hmm. I wish people, anyone out there listening, that is really all your child has. And if we get a child to be able to speak up and share their awkward, uncomfortable things maybe in their life in some cases. Mm -hmm. That's how we're going to help them because if we can get them out of the situations quicker and get them into help, they're going to have less things to deal with as an adult. And so that's my goal. I'm working on a book to help children, like, find their voice and speak up and talk about this really challenging subject. I'm going to get a team to work with me. I'm not going to do this on my own. I'm going to try <laughs> to get a child psychologist. I'm going to get some legal people to, le- you know, I just want to get the right team and sure. I want to do it right. And, but I do think it's valuable. And I think there's a lot of advocacy programs out there that could use it and mm-hmm. maybe even law enforcement, justice, mm-hmm. schools, um, just to help these kids. Uh, so we don't have to have them be an adult or be 30 or 50 and try to face this. Let's get them when they're, you know, before they're even 10 
Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and exactly. Let's start dealing with dealing with it. And this is part of that breaking the cycle because mm-hmm. if we can change a child at eight or ten, they may never get in a relationship that's abusive. It's true. And then their children will never see that. Uh huh. So uh-huh. I think that's a huge thing. Um, yeah. I just, I'm really looking forward to working on this project. Mm -hmm. And I've had a lot of people ask me, have you considered doing it? Finally, I was like, well, why not? Because it's just a scary topic and a scary subject. People are so afraid of it. They're like, oh, my gosh, we can't talk about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm like, it's going on, people. It's going on all the time. There's Mm -hmm. so many kids out there. And, you know, I thought, well, this might be just one more way to help them get out of it quicker or recognize it or understand. I think it's a wonderful idea. Help them it's, just a, it's just a great, great idea. Thank you. Thank you. I'm looking forward to working on it. Um, something I've kind of started just getting an outline, but um, I'm going to hopefully start writing it through the summer and get it finished. <laughs> oh, good. You know, I'm here pretty quick. Yeah, I'm really hoping so. <laughs> I need a great illustrator, though. I have it all figured out and everything, but <laughs> I'll get me a good illustrator. <laughs> you, you go, girl. I've been a designer in the past. But, yeah, thank you. But I'm not a great artist. <laughs> and I also have the workbook, which is, I think, really valuable. Somebody just yesterday asked me, you know, did I think young girls could do the workbook? And I said, you know, honestly, if you've been sexually abused, I feel like the workbook's appropriate from about 12, 13 on. Because you've already, you know things other people don't know. Let's just be honest. Um, If uh, you've just been through some type of abuse, I'm going to lean more toward 15, 16. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm, But, you know, I did. I created the workbook so it's a little more simplistic and compact to help and really help you dive in and work through it. It's not something you're going to work through real quick. Don't don't think, you know, you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to get this workbook and take a week off and work through it and get it done. It's not like that. But, you know, give yourself some time, and you could work through it and make huge leaps and bounds, I think, toward healing is my opinion. Tell our audience where they can purchase your book. Okay, you can get my book. Um, is available everywhere. You can ask for it at any Barnes and Nobles. You know, you can go to Amazon, book retailers, independent ones. If you just ask, it's available. They can either order it for you if they're not carrying it. Um, there's an Audible book, so you have Audible. Um, there's also the workbook is at print, so I'm guessing it will be available hopefully here in the next week or two. I would think it's going to be on the market. So, yeah, everything's pretty much up and running at this point and available. I'm going to be in Texas, if any of you out there. I'm going to be coming down to Waco, Austin. Then I'll be back here in in Colorado. So I'll be in Colorado Springs the 29th, the end of the month. But I'll be in Texas before that. And then I'm going back to Texas, to Houston, Corpus, Dallas. Um, So So you're doing a book tour. I'm doing, doing a, a whole book, book tour. tour, yes. Wonderful. And speaking, yeah. And if you want to find out where I'm going to be, all you have to do is go to manettemorgan.com. That's M-A-N-N-E-T-T-E, Morgan, M-O-R-G-A-N.com. And I have a calendar on there. You can check it out. You can see where I'm going to be. And I totally invite people to join my class. I actually, on the front page, have a thing to for us to start 
getting together and speaking out and standing up for survivors uh, to stop the cycle of abuse, kind of do like a little pledge thing. And so we can really start bringing awareness to this. Well, I think that you're, you're doing great work and I wish you the absolute best and most success. Well, thank you so much for that. I totally appreciate it. I'm just, you know, I told people, you know, when I started and started writing the book, you know, it was seven years ago or whatever. I was like, you know, my first goal was if I could help one woman and her child change their life, I had done something. Because <laughs> I just know how hard it is. I know how hard Absolutely. it is. I was there. It's yes, hard. Sure. And I just, and I want to help them do that. I figured something out. And if something I have works, I just would mm-hmm. love for them to take it and run with it so that they can maybe change their lives for the better and have a better life. Well, so that's takes why a lot of, this. It takes a lot of courage to do what, what you're doing and, you know, be on the path that you're on. So congratulations. Well, thank you so much for having me, Denise. I really appreciate it. I love being here and um, thanks for sharing all this because it means the yeah. world to me just to share Absolutely. with everyone. And um, I'm hoping people are out there listening and maybe I'm their aha moment and they'll think about it and they'll think about what they've been through and it's not okay. And maybe they could do something different. (laughs) I hope so too. I really do. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Take care. Thank you for having me. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. That wraps up our program for today. Thank you all for listening, and we look forward to you joining us again next Wednesday. Till then, be well. Bye-bye. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have, and follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit gotcancernowwhat.com for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What? It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.